You're listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. Interference Archive is a social space, exhibition venue, and OpenStax archive of social movement material. Our work is rooted in the belief that our shared histories should be held in common and accessible to all. This week on Audio Interference, we're talking to Sylvia Federici. Sylvia is a great supporter of Interference Archive and has donated some fantastic material. She's best known for her work in the 1970s with the Wages for Housework movement, and we will be getting to that later in the episode. But we're going to start a bit earlier, in 1960s Italy. Every movement, songs are central. Song express, you know, the joy, the pain, and, and the collective voice. You know, the songs really are some of the most direct, you know, expression of the collective voice of the movement. That was Sylvia. And as you might have guessed, we're going to be talking a lot about music this week. The 1960s were a really insurrectionary, almost revolutionary time in Italy. And so it's unsurprising that it was accompanied by massive amounts of cultural production, specifically music. Sylvia has donated a number of records produced at the time to Interference Archive. Some were newly written songs, and some were recuperated from previous eras. But almost all were responding to existing events and built upon social movement traditions in the country. I remember, for instance, 1st of May in my town when I was a young woman, an adolescent, you know, and it was like a big thing, the songs from 7 in the morning, the red carnation, all the red flags, huge red flags. And, uh, and so... There'll be clashes with the police, you know, on the occasion of demonstrations. And in this town near my town called Reggio Emilia, they, they killed, you know, a whole group of people. And so there's a beautiful song to the Morti of Reggio Emilia, very powerful. These are, I have my own collection. Among these, I have my own that, that uh, I can hardly listen to without feeling really, very, you know, um, very moved. Compagno cittadino, fratello partigiano, teniamoci per mano in questi giorni tristi. Di nuovo a Reggio Emilia, di nuovo là in Sicilia, son morti dei compagni per mano dei fascisti. Di nuovo come un tempo, sopra l'Italia intera, fischia il vento e urla la bufera. That recording was from a 1965 record, but the massacre the song is about took place in 1960. This fits in with the history of post-World War II Italy. You know, the the after 1945, um, you know, to to the 60s, uh, you have Italy enters a period of really serious repression, repression in the workplace and repression in society. Nothing about uh, you know the kind of democracy and liberation that everybody had been promised. Repression begins to break in 1962 when uh, for three days in Torino you have basically urban warfare. You have three days of urban warfare because workers were out protesting, they're attacked by the police and then it becomes three days. All the workers were out, thousands of workers and it's big. It's a big, big revolt that shook up everybody, literally shook up everybody. 
As the post-World War II repression broke into resistance, both in the streets and in the factories, groups began to use music more and more to express their politics. This was of course a new period in Italian history, but many look back to previous eras. One 1968 LP specifically recuperates songs from the 1920s and the immediate aftermath of the Russian Revolution. It's by a communist in the first part of the 20th century who is jailed because he's a communist. And the song says, please, I cannot write, but please write for me and write a letter to my mother and tell my mother not to cry that I'm in jail because, you know, I, I'm in jail for a good, good cause. And, you know, and I'll be out soon and I will be going to the beautiful Russia who will give us all bread. But along with those who look back to the early 20th century, there were also new groups forming in 1960s Italy, especially after 1969 and an enormous wave of strikes known as the Hot Autumn. Several new, mostly anti-parliamentary organisations were founded, and perhaps the most important of all was Lotta Continua. They are best remembered for their daily newspaper, but at the time they were also well known for their music. Lotta Continua was uh, extremely, extremely... um creative, you know, certainly was the most popular, the one who also had more instruments, the, le- the least theoretical perhaps, the least theoretical, but the most popular, the most capable of doing things on the ground and reaching people by all kinds, including with the songs. They, they had the best song. They had the song. They were the song makers of the movement. One of the best known songs by Lotta Continua was the Balletta della Pinelli and it was written in 1969 after a group of anarchists were arrested when a bomb exploded in Milan. So two in particular are arrested, and one, this guy Pinelli, uh, during the interrogation, is, um, they say he jumped out of the window. Everybody understood that he was thrown out of the window. And in fact, you can see on the cover that is falling, right? There is a picture of him falling. So that they put this picture on on the cover of this one about Fiat, because they obviously saw that there was a connection between, you know, the explosion, the struggle at Fiat, '69 in general, and the killing of this guy that everybody immediately denounced as having been an excuse for depression.
quella sera a Milano era caldo, ma che caldo, che caldo faceva, brigadiera fra un po' la finestra e ad un tratto Pinelli cascò. Commissario io glielo già detto, le ripeto che sono innocente, anarchia non vuole dir bombe, ma eguaglianza nella libertà. 76 they called quit. Actually they called quit because the women left. The women of Lotta Continua left the group en masse in 1976 after the leadership refused to condemn an attack on a 1975 abortion rights march. But while the organisations of the 1960s were unwilling to accommodate demands of women, new groups were being formed to do just that. One of them was the Wages for Housework campaign, founded in Italy in 1972. The whole socialist Marxist tradition has built on this theme that in order to bring women into the class struggle, they had to go out of the house, join the people, workers in the factories, because housework is not really productive work, and if you don't produce capital, you cannot fight against it. Wages for housework disagreed, and on this point they were particularly inspired by the anti-colonial movements of the 1960s and the role of unwaged workers within them. We saw the situation of the unpaid housework uh, on a continuum with that of a lot of people across the world and across the history of capitalism, right? who, because they're not being paid, have been considered as not part of the class struggle, not part of the working class. And um, it is for this reason, in fact, we, we came to the opposite conclusion that many families you know, came to, which was... We, 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 we basically uh, proclaimed you know, that housework was the most important work in capitalist society because it produces uh, the worker, it produces labor power, people's capacity to work. So that's why you know, we, we against the, the alternative, which was to put on our banner, you know, let us work, uh, give us more wage labor, and and uh, the right to work, we said, no, we want wages for housing because we want money for all the work that we have done, all the work that we are doing, because we want to stop giving free labor to capitalism, and we don't want to continue to hide the fact that we are already working. Women formed wages for housework groups in many different countries, and each produced their own material. The three journals that you find here it's uh, the power of women. The journal is called The Power of Women. There are three issues. And this was put out by the English Wages for Housework Collective. One issue that is very special for me, it's uh, this issue that, um, from 1975, that has on the cover amazing, amazing picture of the strike that took place in Reykjavik in October 1975, when the women in Iceland basically decided they wanted to show the world that, uh, and, and the men of their country that, um, as they put it, without us, nothing moves. That uh, women's work is the engine, the machine that keeps the world going. And what they did, they called for a day of strike, 
it's funny because we always said, you know, the, the, the socialist movement had the slogan, the general strike, right? Periodically, especially in Europe, uh, they would call for general strike. And we always said there's, no, there's never been really a general strike because when men went out in the street, women continue to work. There will only be a general strike when women stop working. Well, the women in Iceland did just that. And the picture is an amazing one. Sylvia was most involved in the Wages for Housework group in New York, and they put out literature of their own. I asked Sylvia how women would have come across the material, and she mentioned three ways. Through events, through bookstores, and through direct public distribution. We'll go to any place where women gathered, number one. Any place, for example, we realized that a laundromat would be a good place to meet women, supermarket, etc. But also subway stop, you know. When we organized the conference on welfare, we must have produced, I don't know, at least two, 3,000 copies of a small journal that describe what welfare is about, trying to challenge the myth, oh, that these are women who are doing nothing, and this is a black issue, etc. So we produced a whole journal, and then we distributed it. And what kind of reaction did you get at subway stops? Well, it varied, but I must say that women always latched on to it. They thought the wages for house, working class women really thought that this was very good. And many said, I always, always uh, thought of it. And I always wonder why we women were not doing it. And, you know, there were very few who had negative remarks. Actually, the majority, because they knew that they were working. You know, every year here in Brooklyn, we used to have the Atlantic, the, you know, the Atlantic Avenue Fair. And we always had a table there. And it was always a great success. You know, with our dish towel, our material, women talked. And men would write to us and say, Dear sir, sometimes they say, dear sir, or dear man, you know, how do I get wages for housework? I think our campaign was very important, you know, in the women's movement to, to, to break, to lift the veil on this work, to make people realize that this is work. Uh, you wouldn't believe it, but when we started, even just to say that housework is real work was not easy. Uh, now, obviously, it is accepted. And I think it has to do with all the work that has been done over the year to, to describe the place it has in the economy. I think that now there's been a consciousness-raising process that fewer and fewer will be the people who would deny that this work has any social function. So that was New York. But to end this episode, we're going back to Italy and a 1975 report from The Power of Women. There were 3,000 women marching through the streets for wages for housework. After theatre and music in the park, the women rested and ate. They finished the day with a torchlight procession, chanting, tremble, tremble, the witches are returning, not to be burned, but to be paid. You've been listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. 
The archive is collectively run and volunteer powered. If you like what you heard today, consider making a donation to help keep the archive up and running. Just go to interferencearchive.org and click on donate. From all of us at Audio Interference, thanks for listening. Che serve svegliarsi al mattino, preparare il caffè. Ed anche tu sei vecchio in pensione, a che servi ormai? Almeno una volta tu avevi gli amici e il bar. Io invece ho trascorso la vita in casa a lavorare. Nessuno ha calcolato mai le ore di lavoro, sai, non mi restava il tempo neppure un momento da dedicare un poco a me, per me non c'erano feste, non era mai vacanza, neppure a Natale, mai.